received a vision from the Lord. I mean, I don't think there's a shortage of vision. You get what I'm saying? There's no shortage of ambitions. You know, people always envision. Right? Sometimes, you know, out of your own strength, you envision. Like with the need that you have, you say, one day I'm going to have that. So there's no shortage of that. The problem is categorizing it whether it's yours or God's. That's the problem, right? That's when we get into problems. So now when you got the right vision from God, the problem is from that vision to a manifestation. So a lot of people, like, they're excited about the vision because vision excites you. Vision makes you go up from your bed, get up from your bed, get ready, take a shower. I'm ready for today because the vision is right in front of me. Right? And then the problem, though, is that when they hit the wall, right? Like, how do I get to that point? And we get frustrated. I can just imagine King David. For three times, he got said, you're going to be the king, but he hasn't been king yet. When he was young, he said, you're going to be the king. But he waited a longer time before he became the king. So what brings you from the point of vision to a manifestation? That's going to be my message for today. All right? You want to know? Yes, but wait, there's more. That's good. <laughs> I realize that the, the bridge between vision and manifestation is the character trait or the, the attitude of being unstoppable. You're probably thinking, oh, that's a corny statement. I've heard that many times. But it's so simple, but it's so profound too when you're actually serving and listening to God towards your calling. See, that's... I... I have yet, no, let, let, let me make this clear. I am tired of hearing Christians be passionate about something and it's about 10 years and it hasn't happened yet. As a pastor, I get a lot of, pastor, I'm so excited. One day I'm going to do this, one day I'm going to do that. Right, Pastor Sergio? Like our office is, you know, our discussion is composed of that. Their new passion. I feel the wind, the Lord is bringing me to this place, Pastor. And then after a month, he came to me, Pastor, the Lord is giving me a different message right now. What happened to the God that is faithful, that when he starts, he's faithful to finish it. See, when I hear that, I'm not being mean, but, I, but I'm just saying that maybe you didn't hear from God. Or maybe you heard from God, you just didn't have the guts to follow him. Hello? See, when I say hello, I'm not trying to like be sarcastic. I'm, I'm trying to like, like when you're calling, hello, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to answer that. Hello? There you go. See, that unstoppability. For three years ago, this is what saved our church. From a Filipino to a multicultural church. You know when it's just one culture, it's just different. You know, I love my Filipino brothers there, you know. And, and my, my community. But then, you know, there are good things with our Filipino culture, but there are bad things with Filipino culture. Right? One of the bad things is eating oily food. It's part of that. This almost didn't happen. Me standing here. Last week, I got sick. First time gastritis. I don't even know what that, you know, how to spell that, that last week. I had gastritis. That's what my, my nurse said. And there was just so much pain. And for one week, I wasn't eating. And this weekend was a very, very busy weekend. I had a wedding to, that I did yesterday. Downtown, in downtown Sacramento. And then today, I'm speaking at two churches. So I was like, I was so worried. You know, but then I remember, I'm unstoppable. And I'm not faking it. I'm unstoppable. 
Because my, my, my power, my strength is not dependent on what I have. It's dependent on who I have inside me. Your unstoppability is not dependent on your strength. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, it's, it doesn't matter what's in front of you. What matters is what is inside you. So whatever that is, when you face trials and problems, you're, you're looking at the vision, but then you can't get there. You think about, yes, the, the God that is in me is bigger and greater than what I'm facing right now. Three years ago, that's what happened. We were down to 30 people. How many of you know when you're a church, you're a church planner, and you're down with 30 people, you're kind of like, oh my gosh. I've seen many pastors that has closed down their church. And my wife and I were really, really definitely disappointed and, and heartbroken because most of the Filipino families left. And it, they, they weren't even fight, they weren't even mad against, against me at first, you know, but as all the time what happens is that it's always the pastor's fault, right? And I've learned to live with that. So we were down with 30 people and I said, God, all right, if you're going to let this, a lot of Filipinos go, I'm okay with it. But you owe me big time. I said, send me the nations. I don't want to see Filipinos. I have many. <laughs> I want the nations. That was 2014. And after I declared that to God, because I know who he is that is in me. I said, come on, send them. And then different nationalities come, different ethnicities come. And now we're a thriving, like, you know, like we, we, you feel like you're speaking in tongues. You, know, you, you feel like you're hearing people are speaking in tongues because they're, when they're praising, we got a lot of Fijians, we got a lot of Mexicans, we got a lot of whites, Africans, black. What else? Filipinos. I don't even pay attention to the Filipinos anymore. It's like, <laughs> you're there, you know, you get what I'm saying? But because of that, that message was born. For one year, we spoke about how a person that has a vision from God can be unstoppable. Listen, this is not a make you feel good message today. I'm not trying to encourage you so that you will be activated, so that you will be happy. My point is that the God that is in you will activate you, strengthen you, because your calling is not just for you. Your calling is supposed to bless others. It's not for your personal edification only. Amen? Amen? To start which you can do it on your own. You need Jesus in your life. So that's my message today. Unstoppable. Isaiah 54, 17, it says, But in that coming day, no weapon formed against you will prosper. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. The Bible says that there will be weapons formed. So a lot of us sometimes, the weapons are being formed and we became chicken right away. Oh, there's sickness and we, we, we become so sad right away. I can't, pastor, I can't go to church anymore because I have a slight fever. I f sometimes we have good illusions and, you know, like we feel like, but we're not realizing that the power that is in us is way better. Maybe you should go to church so that you will be healed. When you, when you sit down, come on, you just, you just want to watch the Raiders. I mean, Derek Carr is good and handsome, but you know what I'm saying? Weapons will be formed against you, but the Bible says it will not succeed. 
So if you know that truth, you wouldn't be scared as much. Or you shouldn't be even scared because you know it will rise up, but it can touch you. It's not going to kill you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. I love that part. You are all servants. Can you say amen? How many of you are servants of the Lord here? See, servants of the Lord are not just for pastors, apostles, teachers. When you give your heart to God and you're serving to your church, not just alone, just what you mentioned, like the guy that says, I'm going to give my money to this. You know, don't, don't, nobody's a lone ranger. Serve to your church. You know, be sent, don't just went. Right? A lot of, you know what I'm saying? People just go and, you know, pastor, I was sent. You know, I, I went. No, be sent. Because authority only comes from authority. When you, come, when you go alone, there's no authority in that. You might feel good, but there's no authority. Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember that. Remember that when you're going through something, Jesus is with me and I am unstoppable. 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Church, we are unstoppable. Pastor Sergio is unstoppable, like tireless. I see him traveling all the time. And it's easy for us sometimes to think for a man of God or a woman of God that is in position to think that, yeah, they are able to do that because he's the pastor. Have you ever experienced this, Pastor Sergio, when somebody was having a toothache at 1 o'clock in the morning and calls you and says, Pastor, I have a toothache. It's like, why don't you pray for yourself? Why don't you pray for your wife that's like having a slight fever at 1 o'clock in the morning? Because the same power that is in him is in you. So why do we think that when there's something wrong, we always call somebody that we think that's on a higher pedestal or situation? It's so easy for us to believe that the power of God can move in somebody, but not with ourselves. Yeah, he made it. He's done it by the grace of God. But when it happens to us, we become so you know, like so scared right away and forget what the truth is all about. My favorite character in the Bible is Abraham. How many of you know Abraham? I have two favorite characters. It's, oh, three. Well, of course, Jesus automatically. Jesus, number one. Number two is Abraham and Moses. 2A, 2B. They're like my favorite. And you know, my church, every time I preach and they know it's about Abraham, they're like, here we go again. Because I love Abraham. The father of faith. And there are three things in his life that I'm going to speak about today. So that was just my intro, guys. So I have three things. I have three things. Pastor Sergio, I could speak two hours, so I think I'm good in time. Three things in Abraham's life that I want to share to you that I hope that will minister to you today. You, you, you ask, Pastor, you keep saying unstoppable, but how do we get unstoppable? There are three things that I want to touch in your life today that I pray that God will stir it up and say, do this. Amen? Are you ready? Tell your neighbor, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. There you go. I will need water because my voice is very precious. <laughs> At my church, you know, they don't let me sing. Yeah, my wife says that. So my wife tells me, like, just preach. You know, just preach. 
Actually, our worship director is here right now. Hi, Cyrus. And uh, I told him, like, you know, you guys can do anything about it. Because once I have the mic during the message and at the altar call, you can't stop me. I mean, you can turn off the sound, but, you know, try. Just try. Just try. Next week, you can find another church. Right? You know, sometimes you have to, to you know, bully them a little bit. Spiritually. Three things in the life of Abraham. If you have your notes with you, you can write this. Number one, how many of you know Abraham, right? So from, from Abraham, the name Abraham to Abraham, and one day just, God just called him and said, you know, I want you to go away from your family. I want you to get out of your family's house, get out of the country, get out of your family. How many of you have experienced that before? I think some of you are immigrants here and you've experienced that, right? So if you have your Bibles with you, open Genesis 12. Chapter, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Verse 2, it says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Genesis 3, uh, verse 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In these three verses, the Lord issued Abraham a challenge to get out of his country. But after the challenge or the vision that God has put in his life is that the blessing, the promise of a blessing. See, the Lord is good because he just doesn't tell you a vision. He also promises a provision. Right? To get you excited. Other, you know, because if not, you probably won't obey. Right? Because how many of you have tried to live out of your country? That's hard. That is really hard. Nobody just do, just do that one day unless if there's a, such a need. Amen? My first point today is that just like in Abraham's life, you need to be unstoppable. You need to exchange your history for your destiny. Abraham had to exchange his history so that he will be able to go to his Destiny. And a lot of times, we worship our history. Because we know how it feels. We've seen it. We've seen it operate. We're good at it. Even if it hurts sometimes, with the history is what we feel good about. Because it's so comfortable. But destiny is still up there. I haven't, I haven't had a feeling of that. You know, I have a glimpse, but I haven't really touched it. So a lot of times we get scared. But Abraham, one day, God told him, leave your history so that you may walk to your destiny. How many of you are willing to exchange your history for your destiny? Hello, come on, somebody. Come on, I, I wish I had five people that would say amen here. Amen. amen, there you go. Exchange history for your destiny. When you can do that, you can be unstoppable. Hello. History is the past. You know, a lot of people will say, back in the days, pastor. If you've seen me, pastor, back in the days, I was so good looking. When I preach, oh, the fire comes. But that was back in the days. Pastor, you've seen me, man, when I sing during worship, everyone cries. I don't know how to respond to that if everyone, you know, it's not necessarily good, right? When everyone cries. 
Because like for me, I feel like when I lead worship in my church, I feel like God is going to come down right away. His presence will be right there right away. And He'll say, son, stop now. <laughs> like, I'm here. Don't, don't try. But we keep saying, back in the days. If you've seen me before, if you've seen how I develop my messages, if you've seen how I give before, pastor, I give extravagantly before because I had this business. That was back in the days. What is God speaking to you now? What is God putting in your heart now? Hello, your obedience is only as valid as his last instructions. See, that was my accent. It came out. Your obedience is only as valid as his last instructions. You got to obey his newest instructions. You can't. You can't, you know, like stay here and say, I obeyed in this area. But how about now? Are you obeying now? You see, we exert so much effort so that we may achieve a glimpse of what has been promised. Super effort to achieve just a taste. But once we get the taste, we say, I've made it. And you're not getting the full package. How many of you can say amen to that? Church, exchange your history for your destiny. 11 years ago, God did the same thing to my life. I was trying to study to be a doctor in psychology. That was my passion. I wanted to be a doctor in psychology. And I was given a scholarship in a really good school in the, in the Philippines. I don't know how, but the Lord was just really, really um, good to me. I didn't have mom and dad, so he probably knows that I wouldn't have money to go to college. And... God made me finish those, and I was ready. But the same year I graduated, I got ordained also as a pastor. So it was really confusing. It doesn't help that my wife is the daughter of the pastor of my church. So he was my pastor. He was my spiritual father. He was also my father-in-law. So imagine that, right? And then my, my father-in-law, every after service, he would come. There was this season, he would say, after he spoke a message and he would see me down there, downstairs, he would say, you're going to be a pastor in America. And he keeps pointing at me. You're going to be a pastor in America. I keep docking. <laughs> you know, about 11 years ago, I was still athletic, you know, like, I could do that. Like, you know, like, yeah. I could do that. So he has ways to just really point to you. You're going to go to America and plant a church. You know, like, it's like, uh, not me. You know, so I keep docking and docking and I feel like, and somebody's like, oh, it's yours now. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be a pastor. I've seen, like what Pastor Blend said in the School of Leadership, I've seen what a pastor's life is. I want my money. <laughs> I never had money. Come on. Come on, God. This is so confusing. You make me finish in school with scholarship, but then you ordain me as a pastor. You're confusing. <laughs> I thought you were a God of order. And then my pastor, how can, you, how can you disobey your pastor, your father figure, and your father-in-law? <laughs> but what he didn't know is that I had a dream. Martin Luther, huh? <laughs> I had a dream. What he didn't know is I had a dream. One, there was one time on the stage with me and my wife. There's a whole worship team here. Some cool lights and stuff like that. We were here on the side. And we were worshiping extravagantly, passionately. And, and the, the colors of people are different. Highlighted by the hairs. 
So I realized that, wow, okay, he didn't know that I had a dream like that. So 11 years ago, God says, leave your country, leave your family behind. That's what God told Abraham. I felt like Abraham, you know, there was that vision and I was so excited. It's like, yeah, let's do this. I gave up my career. I, feel, I had a double major in psychology and counseling. I really wanted to be a doctor in psychology. I really wanted that money. And then God says, go to America. My wife got an opportunity to, to enroll in a Bible college and they gave a scholarship for me too. So I was like, okay, we'll take it. So I was like, I'm ready. I'm obeying you. When we first got here, let me tell you my story. Well, to start with, we just got married six months, seven months into our marriage. And we moved here. We were 21, 22 years old. We didn't know a thing. We were going to wash our clothes. You know, in the Philippines, if you're from a third world country, like, you know, you, you hire somebody to do that. It's just me. All right, fine. Because in the Philippines, like, you, you provide work for some people and you do that. It's not like they're slaves. They're like family. So we do that, right? And, you know, I never had a mom and dad, but I didn't do my laundry. <laughs> my wife, you know, she doesn't do her laundry. When we first got here, we didn't know how to operate a, laundry, um, a washing machine. And we were living with five guys. Five guys in one house, all students of the Bible college. And our room is not even a room. That was a bait and switch. They said America is a land of flowing of milk and honey. <laughs> when we got here, they said, oh, you're going to move into this house. I was, I was so excited, right? And then when they showed us a room, it's not even a room. It's a sun room. So that is, is the extension from the kitchen. So from the kitchen, you can go straight. Hey, Andrew and Milky, what are you doing? <laughs> and the whole thing was surrounded by windows. I've never seen so many windows in my life like that. So the first thing that I'm thinking is like, privacy. How do we get privacy here? So we bought, we, we got a lot of, uh, what's that? Um, towels. Put it on the window. And we, so that was the door. We had three doors. What kind of a room is that? The, the door from the kitchen and then the sliding door here to lead to the patio and the garage, uh, to, the, to the backyard. And then on this side is an accordion door that there are no, there's no lock. That leads to the other room of the guys. So if the other guy decided, hey, guys, what are you doing? So imagine the anguish that I felt. Because I said, God, you said. Vision. You said, I'm going to be a pastor in America. I don't even have any person that I'm discipling. It didn't help that my wife got a job right away with our sponsor church, New Life Church. She got a good job right away. She, she was the office manager right away. And me, excited to work and get that money and obey God, got nothing. I was not working. Pastor Caleb said, the guy that sponsored us, he's my mentor here in the United States. He says, you know, there's really no job that I could give you right now. I can't work outside. For a guy that is so ambitious at the time, and so like, God, I, I've sacrificed my history for my destiny. I expect something. And this is a noble job. My first job was the assistant of the janitor. How many of you know that it, it would have been better if I was the main janitor? <laughs> but I was the assistant. See, this is a noble job. But what I realized is that, you know, because like sometimes... We, 
people can look down on that. But being janitors actually is a very noble job. And when I was doing it, when the main janitor is really frustrated with himself because, you know, I don't know why, he would give me the worst jobs. Like, okay, you know, clean the throw up there. Like, you know, he wasn't nice either. And he's six, seven, two. So when you see us, we're like, hey, I'm always following him. And it's, so I want you to see the contrast because I, I thought God was saying I was going to be a pastor in America. It's like Moses. You're going to deliver people from, the, from slavery in Egypt. But then he was tending to sheep when he went to, to, to his father-in-law. For 40 years, he was a, you know, he was pastoring sheep. Before he so Moses practiced with the sheep before the actual people. But I was practicing with the toilet bowls. And then one day, so I just moved here in November, Christmas time, and it was really cold. I'm a Filipino, you gotta remember, it's really cold for me. It was this it was this close to like December like that, and I had no jacket. I couldn't even buy my wife jacket. And my Pastor Caleb said, Hey, I got something for you for Christmas so you can have money. So I said, Yes, Pastor, I'll take it. So I went there. And their building is really huge. It's like 40,000 square foot building with the school. So they said, I want you to take out the weed. I don't even know what a weed looks like. Like, you know, the weed that, not the other weed, but like <laughs> the weed. The weed, guys. Hello. So I, I didn't know because I've never done this. I don't know if there are weeds in the Philippines. So as I was trying to figure it out, it's really cold. And I was crying. Have you ever cried because you're so disappointed in your life? Have you ever cried because you're so hopeless? Because you felt like you've given everything but there's no return that's coming. And I, I was kneeling down like that trying to get out the weed. And this, this is true to life story. True to life story. Baby, where's my... True to life story. So back in 2007, this was in 2006 actually before the iPhone comes out, came, came out. So you know the Motorola Razor at the time, the flip Motorola Razors? So I was crying like that and I was looking like, God, you told me I'm going to be, what's this? And then I saw the big building. And then I realized, one day, I had the gift of faith. One day, I'm going to be a pastor that you called me. I took out the phone, the Motorola Razor. And as I was crying, God, why are you doing this to me? Why? I took out the phone and I took a selfie. You see, I invented selfie. And I make it spiritual too. I took that cell phone out and I took, God, why? And I was crying, no kidding. I, I lost the picture. But as I was crying, I took that selfie. And here's when I stood up, I said, one day, you called me to be a pastor. Because that signal, me accepting that there's a process before the promise. If you're going to clap, you got to clap louder than that. See, a lot of us have a hard time because we dwell with the history. In the Philippines, it's way better. But God is saying, ah, destiny is way better. So every time I go back to that store, I have a smile on my face. And even if I have to go through that again. Because I have seen how God has moved in those situations. With the support and strength that my wife provides and my church family, whatever happens, I am unstoppable. Because God is in me. You see, you got to have those moments with God like that so you can always come back to that. Not dwell, live in that, but you say, He's done it before. Look how He does it right now.
It only happens when you move out of your history. You can't dwell there. You just revisit that and say, he's going to do it again. Can you say amen? So maybe there will be selfie moments for you guys. Those hardship that you will experience. But you got to remember, exchange your history for your destiny. Exchange it. Are you here? Amen. Number two, I'm going to keep moving on. And Abraham, after he moved out of his country, the funny thing is that he built altars because God says this is going to be your place. He built altars and then he went to Egypt and he, he kind of like fell there. Right? And then number one, he's, God said, don't, you know, you got to leave your family. Oh, he just has to bring his family, like uh, direct family, but he brought Lot. And then they had strife. And then in chapter 13, the next chapter, they had to separate. You know the story? Genesis 13, 10 to 13. Let's read it here. So they were fighting and God told them, like, you got to separate. And Abraham gave Lot a choice where you want to go. And here's what Lot did. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. Verse 12. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. My next point is that unstoppable people seek the promised land, not the enticing land. A lot of times, we are presented with an enticing opportunity. And it's so easy for us to fabricate reasons and arguments to make it look like it's from God. That's what derails us. Because you start good and in the middle there's another opportunity. And we just can't resist it. Your wife is your wife now. Your husband is your husband now. See, this is funny. I asked, the, I, have two, I have Indian members, Indians and Nepali. And then they say like, you know, they, they, I had two, I had two uh, experience fixed, uh, re, uh, arranged marriages this last year. And I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. You know, like this is so traditional for me. So I had to ask the guy, how can you trust this process? He said, if I'm going to just choose for my wife, I'm going to choose the sexiest, the most longer hair, the curbs. He said, but I trust my mom and my dad. I know it might be too much for you, but that was so substantial. That was so profound. Because a lot of us, we choose what's enticing, not what has been promised. God says, you're going to go to Canaan. You're not going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says Sodom, the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked. See, the devil doesn't come scary anymore. He comes sexy. Right? It's not like a Halloween character. Wah! Don't come here. He comes like, yeah. Come. Hello. Yeah. As if you don't know that. What am I talking about? Like sometimes the jobs. Pastor, I got a good job. Somebody offered me. Wow, really good benefits, Pastor. But I might have to miss some Sundays. Is that okay? Oh, tell your neighbor, I'm not that. Ooh, I'm only here once, so I'm going to go anyway. So 
I'm going to let your pastor deal with that. Relationships. God is saying, don't go into that relationship. Go, not, not that guy. To start with, he's married. Oh well. Oh, trust me, pastors, we deal with that. It's like, pastor, it's not really, you know, this, nothing's really going. No, there's something going on. Just the fact your attention is right there and he's married. Oh, come on. Hello. Choose the promised land. Unstoppable people seek the promised land. They're longing for the promise. Not just, not just that what's enticing. If that's the case, there are always enticing opportunities for you. Some of you are saying, oh, I'm going to date this guy because I feel like God is going to use me to save him. Hello? Hello? He's going to, I just believe this, he's going to use me. Business that you go into that you're not supposed to go to. I'm not saying don't go into anything. I'm just saying make sure that is the promised land for you. I had an offer when, when we had seven people back in 2007. My sister-in-law from Japan called me. She said, Drev, just come here to Japan. Because they have about five churches at the time. He says, I have one church that there's no pastor. I can give you $2,000 allowance. And then with the car, with the house too, outside the allowance. And at the time, I, I had no money. And I'm looking at my seven people. And in Japan, there are 70. 70. And in Japan, that's a lot. That's a mega church. There's like 70 people. A house for free. A car for free. And $2,000? Oh, yeah. You got to remember, I live in Marin, where one bedroom is 1800 It's like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh. Uh. Like, my wife and I, we really had to look at each other and say, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We talked, and then overnight as we prayed and we just, just talked, the Lord was really clear. I called you to the United States of America. And this was, this was when we only had about seven people. And everyone was way older than me. There's no promise of like young adults there. It was like, they're all older than me. So I was like, I don't know. And we chose the United States of America. And I am glad by the glory and the grace of God that we chose the United States. But the devil will tempt you to say, I know there's a promise, but I got something good here. And that's what happens. You're not unstoppable because of that, because you choose the enticing instead of the promise. Can you say amen? Amen. My last point today, are you guys good? My last point today is a third point that I think is a, big, is a biggie. Genesis 13, 10, 13. How many of you know Genesis actually at 22, 4 to 5? So after Lot separate, Abraham went through his life. One of the highlights of Abraham's life when God asked him to offer Isaac. So he received the, the introduction to the promise, the promised son that would lead to the many sons. So imagine the degree of this. And God says, I want you to offer your only son to me. Genesis 22, 4 to 5, it says, On the third day of their journey, as they were going to where he's going to, Offer his son. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. It says, stay here with the donkey. He's talking to his servants. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there 
and we will come right back. The instructions of God was, Abraham, offer your son. I want you to get what he said. He told his servants, me and my boy, we will go up there. We will worship God and we will come back. We will come back. At this point too, I realized that there are some people that you cannot take where you're going. Abraham told the servants, you guys stay here. Me and my son. You see the obedience that's happening here? I don't need anyone else. I don't need anything else. I'm just listening to my God. He says, go there with my son and offer him. But he said, me and my son, we will worship. We will worship up there and we will come back. Listen, Abraham knew that maybe, maybe that God might really take his son Isaac. But he also believed that even if God takes Isaac, he is able to revive and give life back to his son. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews. He believed that. So he says, me and my son, we will go up there. We will worship and we will come back. Church, unstoppable people can worship in the midst of hardship. See, when I talk about unstoppable people, this is kind of like the ultimate thing that I see. When I see somebody worshiping through pain, worshiping through hardship, somebody just died in their family, they're lifting their hands up. Hello? You guys are all quiet. You probably experienced that. Listen, Abraham had the courage to say, we will worship and then we will come back. You know when we worship, we put... We make known, we declare to the world that God is on his throne. When we real, that's what we what that's what worship does, like we worship on his throne. See, worshiping is not just really responding to the worship leader here. Whatever. We, you know, he's gonna be good even if you don't respond. But God, when you worship to him, you're saying, God, you're on your throne. I realize and I recognize that you are God. So even if you don't feel like worshiping, come on, there has to be a beat that comes out of your, your life. You can't come to church just like, you know, staring at the screen like that. You know, my wife made a good point in Facebook the other day. He says like, you know, it might be, so, it might be really awkward for some people that go to church and just staring at the screen like that. Because in heaven, we will be worshiping nonstop and there are no screens there. <laughs> there are no PowerPoint presentation. Because true worshipers know who they're worshiping. They don't need a screen. Hello? They don't need a screen. They just know, they just need to know who the object of worship is. And when you worship in the midst of hardship, you're putting him on his throne. And you say, you know, diabetes, talk to my God. Cancer, deal with my God on his throne. Depression. Deal with my God on his throne, who is the God of joy. Bankruptcy, deal with him, the God of provision. When you worship, you put him in his throne. My brother-in-law said, Pastor Blend said, your problems have expiration, expiration dates. You know, when you look at a food, it's like you look expires like, you know, November 19, 2017. Oh, I'm not going to eat this anymore. Your problems have expiration dates. That is when you start worshiping the Lord. Hello. 
Worship in the midst of hardship. My father-in-law, I want to share to you a little bit of my father-in-law. My father-in-law is a very good man of God in the Philippines. He has, he has hundreds of pastors under him. He's, such, he's now with the Lord. He passed away in 2012 and he was our spiritual father. A lot of things that we have right now is because of him. The foundations is from him. And one thing that he told me is a story is that when he just, because he was from a mafia. He was a mafia since 15 years old. And he got saved at 34. And on the day that he was going to go to the court for the sentencing, and back in the days there was no computer back in the Philippines. So the, you know, the, the records are all on file. They were going to go to the courthouse and he's going to get sentenced. And on his way, he got born again already. And he was, plan he was starting a church about two hours away from where he lives. And he's on his way to the courthouse. And then one of his uh, relatives called him and said, Oh, oh uh, boy, boy, because his, his nickname is Boy. Boy, don't, don't go to the courthouse anymore. He says, why? I'm going there because, you know, he wanted to do the right thing. Because he, he was in mafia, money laundering, all those he actually said, like, you know, if you were here in the United States and if you were sending your money back in the 80s and 90s and it's not going to your family and you don't know where it is, it's his fault. Because that was his business. Drug dealing, stuff like that. So at that court, he was on his way to the courthouse. His relative called him, don't go anymore. He said, why? I need to go there. He says, because the courthouse is, being, is burning right now. And all the records were gone. God totally set him free from that. Literally. And he was serving the Lord and pastoring a church with five people that are sick in a garage. He started that church. And now they have hundreds of churches. But here's the story that got me. After one night of ministry, they traveled back home. And when they got home, or when they woke up, some, I think when they traveled back home, when they got back to the house... The house was burglarized. And everything was taken. Except for a guitar. Except for a guitar. And if you met my mother-in-law, you will meet her, her probably soon. She's a worshiper. She knows the hymns. She's like the ultimate worshiper. And daddy was so like, oh my gosh, what happened? They robbed us. They burglarized us. And there was only guitar, one guitar there. You know what they did? They picked up the guitar and sat down. Amen. Sing grace. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. See, unstoppable people can worship in the midst of hardship. Because it, they know it's just an episode. It's not the finale. It's not the ending. It's just an episode. So you can actually get, get your guitar and say, Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. And you know the, my favorite part with that? And if our God is for us, then who will stop us? Unstoppable. And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? See, we got to be able to worship in the midst of hardship. Hello, come on, give it up to Jesus today. I remember one time, and I'm going to end with this. One time I was playing guitar because I love playing guitar. And, and when I was at New Life Novato with Pastor Caleb's church, before we had the church in Santa Rosa, I played for the worship team. For I, I played guitar. And there was one time, you know the song, I will bring praise. You know, desert song. Like I, the Hillsong song that, you know, it's about like 
the the writer's kid died and but she still worshiped the Lord you know passionately she wrote that song the desert song so I was worshiping that song I was playing that song with the band and then and during the middle of the the worship I, I was having a uh, convulsion because I had a high fever so I was having convulsion but you know I couldn't stop because I was in front of the stage I just didn't want to ex exit and you know and just leave them hanging like that but I could feel I'm shaking see I'm just like but and especially the song all of my life in every season you are still God I have the reason to sing I have a reason to worship all of my life. The whole lyrics is about like there is hardship, but I will worship you. I'm experiencing hardship on the stage, but I can't leave God hanging like that. As I was worshiping God, this is for you. I was crying my balls, my eyeballs out. Like I was crying, God, if I die today, I will die. I had that moment because I was convulsioning. I was like, I will bring praise. Like I was just keeping the strumming down. Like really still worshiping God. And right after, this, right after the set, my wife knew this. I rushed right away out and I called him, come on, let's go. Rush to the emergency room. We got to have moments like that where we're, in the fa we're facing danger, where we're facing. This is it. This is so hard. This is not easy. But I will worship you. I will worship you because if I take care of you, you will take care of me. You says do this, you say do that, I'll do that and let me see how you do yours. And on that day, I will bring praise, went to the ER went, and came back. We got to have moments like that when we just don't exchange our history for destiny and seek the promised land and not the enticing land. We got to be able to worship in the midst of hardship. Every one of you are going through some tough times. You see, even, even if you overcome something, there's another one that comes back. There's another one that rises up. And you got to remember this, I am unstoppable because not of my strength. But because Jesus is in me. Whatever that vision is, do you want to get to that manifestation? See, unstoppable people they're willing to exchange history for destiny. They're also willing to just always seek the promised land and not the enticing land. And the last point is that you need to be able to worship in the midst of hardship. How many of you know that? How many of you want that? Amen? Amen? Here's the thing. Uh, come on, let's give it up to Jesus right now. And here's the thing. Pastor Sarah Joe has given me the, 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 the go signal to, to pray with you guys. If you are here today, and I want to challenge you. Listen, I'm not going to like sugarcoat this. I know some of you know you're called. How many of you know you're called? Maybe this could be your day that say, you know what, God, I'm tired of just being a chicken right now. Like, you know, I'm done with this. I want to move forward. Or maybe you, you've been moving forward and you need extra strength. But if you know you're called... And if you know you need an encouragement or a prayer, Pastor Sergio, if you, if you know you're called, I want you to step out of your seat. Listen, because you got to put action to your faith. You got to put action to your faith. So if you're here this morning and you know, say, God, whatever you put in my heart, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to fulfill that so I may bring glory to you. If that is you and you're tired of crying because you, you haven't moved yet, or you've been scared. If that is you this morning and you want to say, God, I'm going to be unstoppable for you. If that is you this morning, I want you to step out of your seat and come here to the front. You know, 
I don't know what God is going to do, but just, just move out of your seat and just say, just lift up your hands here and just worship Him. Let's sing that back again. Can we sing that if, God, if our God, our God is greater? And just declare this. And while you're here in the front, I want you to start recollecting the vision that God has put in your life. Start declaring that again. Say, God, you said. God, you promised. There you go. Listen, your dreams, your vision is not just for you. That's why you need to fight for it. There are people that will need you at that Kairos moment, at that particular time that you need to rise up. So fight for that. Lift up your hands right now and just, just start just declaring that vision again. Come on. Lord, you said this. You said this. You said I was going to plant a church. You said you're going to restore my family. You said you're going to heal my mom. This is the moment. Come on, church. Come on, lips. Use your weapon. You have no weapon but your lips right now. There you go. Start declaring it. Hallelujah. Lord, we declare your goodness. We declare your power. Hallelujah.